Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. That's right, we're doing another Xbox On this week, did you know that? I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on this week's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of June 17th, 2022, including additional information has surfaced following last weekend's big game events, including the Xbox and Bethesda 2022 showcase. Bethesda confirms Fallout 5 is coming, we get an update on Stalker 2's precarious and endearing development, and more. Xbox on episode 159. Now, if you listen to the show regularly, you might be asking yourself, what the hell, Jesse? I thought uh, there was going to be no regular episode this week. Well, I, I I am a man of my word. This is going live on a Friday. The show normally goes live on Thursday, so it is irregular at the very least. Now, I know last week I said, because, you know, last week's episode with Summer Game Fest went live a day later to accommodate Summer Game Fest, and then this week's episode went live very early on Monday because Xbox's showcase was on Sunday, that, you know, the next week, whatever, was going to be a little out of whack with the show, but I just couldn't help myself. I just couldn't stay away. It just turns out there was enough news this week, and it felt like I was kind of like giving myself a break when I didn't really deserve one to not do a podcast. So, you know, with there being enough news and, and with me not wanting to sit there on the sidelines while all the Xbox news goes unreported or unrelayed, I guess, because it is being reported. I'm just one of many people who cop it from other news sites and then and then tell you guys about it. Anyway, I just didn't want to be the guy sitting there letting all that uh, good podcast material go to waste. So here we are. You're stuck with me yet again. But I will say there really isn't a whole normal Xbox on week's worth of news to go through. So we're not going to do a whole two and a half hour rigmarole. I promise you that time I will literally cut myself off if we hit an hour so we are going to go through a bunch of updates. Most of this episode will be pertaining to just expanding on all the news that we learned during Summer Game Fest and the Xbox and Bethesda Showcase, because this is pretty typical, right? After these kinds of big events happen, the following days are full with pun- a bunch of stories of like, hey, update on this game. It's also actually coming to Ouya, and oh, also update on this game. It's also being developed by neo-Nazis, and oh, update on this game. It's actually uh, not going to be released for another 25 years, so... Let's hope to God your grandchildren get to play it. So, you know, we got to follow those new stories and kind of touch base with all the big shit. Also, it's kind of nice to just recollect and be like, okay, a few days removed from all these events. How are we feeling? You know, what's the gut check? So I feel like that would also be kind of a fun thing to do right now. So that's what this week's all about. So don't expect necessarily the regular role of show. We're not going to have everything you're used to seeing, but we are going to have something of a condensed, quick, sped up version of the of the typical podcast, I suppose. So. Guys, let's open up this week with the first segment we do, which is basically just come down to a another way to segment news, uh, which we have basically down into three segments at this point. I don't know why. But anyway, it's the corrections, updates, stories of mild amusement. Now, generally, we focus more on that that latter part, that stories of mild amusement. Like, oh, you should check this out, or oh, this happened, you know about that. But this week, we actually have a little bit of everything, starting with a very serious correction I need to make. I almost never have corrections, but this is... Easily the most gratuitous correction I've ever 
you know, mistake I've ever made that we, that has had to be addressed. So we're going to start with that. And then we do have some updates. Yes, Activision's back in the news talking about touching girls again. And then we have some uh, stories of mild amusement. So we got a little bit of the gamut. Let's start out with the with the correction though, because that one's on me, and I'm that's that that was a big no no on me. So last week when we were talking about the Xbox and Bethesda showcase, we're going over all the new games and everything, and you know obviously the the starting in the middle of the showcase until just about the very end, they went through their big push of like here are indie games, 2D games, games made by small dev teams. You know, we don't have, you know, the section that wasn't your heavy hitters. It wasn't your fucking fables and halos and, and Gears of War games. It was like your, you know, your shadow complexes and stuff like that. So not to say that those games are less of games, but obviously, you know, for most for most general audiences, those games don't tend to pull as much of a punch, you know, as, as the announcement of the next Halo game. So I think that's not a really contra. I, I know a lot of people take take umbrage with that statement with that kind of tact but i don't mean it as a slight to those types of games i just mean you know it's it's they're not they're you know there's the avengers endgame and then there's you know fucking cats the musical i'm not trying to say cats the musical is bad i haven't seen it it's just you know for a more niche audience is all let's get to our correction no more no more putting this off a game was announced during that slew of like smaller uh, one-off games whatever and one of the games, in fact, the one I harped on the most as being the ugliest, the least interesting, the one I had definitely have no interest in, couldn't give a shit about any less, uh, was a game by the name of Pentiment, which you may recall is the game I was saying, oh, it looks like an old medieval painting. I fucking hate that time period. This art aesthetic is ugly. No thanks. It looks like it was all just dialogue. So little did I know, and I watched the trailer twice before I recorded, so I should. I, the fact that I missed this just means I have a very small brain, but... This is actually a new game from Obsidian. Obsidian, a recently acquired Xbox first-party developer. You may know them as the guys that made Knights of the Old Republic, the guys that made Fallout New Vegas, the guys who more recently made The Outer Worlds, the guys who are working on the game I really fucking wish was at this event, but we never got to see an update on it, Avowed. So this is a obviously a really big, really seasoned team um, at Xbox. Really awesome developer. Have a long, long history in gaming. A uh, long, long history with Xbox and... Obviously, one of the more one of the more excitable, I'd say, de- developers that Xbox has in their large stable now. Um, definitely one of the the dev teams they have that generally gets me more hyped than you know, say, um, I don't know, fucking uh, Undead Labs or something like that. But this game completely just you know, not everything's going to resonate with everyone. That's totally fine. Not every game is meant for everyone. That's that's that is what it is. But yeah, just the fact that I just saw this was this massive oversight of not even realizing this is a new game from Obsidian. Obviously, this isn't Obsidian's new game. We know Avowed and Outer Worlds 2 are their big next tentpole titles, but this is another one of their smaller side projects, kind of like how, you know, Grounded was a game they released a few years ago. It's actually just now going into proper release from its early access of, of two years that it's that's been in. But yeah, this is another like side project for them. And actually, if you remember a month or two ago, we actually talked about this game because there were rumors about this game. We knew that uh, the, the Josh Sawyer of Fallout New Vegas was going to be working on this game. This was like a small team, a passion project, a side project. And uh, but we just didn't know what the game was. There were rumors and reports about a game like this that was in the works. We just didn't know anything about it. Lo and behold, this is that game. So the fact that I didn't put two and two together, I missed the fact this is Obsidian's new kind of like side project completely over my head. Really, really stupid over me uh, of me. Massive oversight. You know, (laughs) it's one thing to just fuck up and just not you know, catch the developer of one of the many, many, many games announced at an event like this. But for it to have been a new game from a first party team, 
pretty egregious. But uh, yeah, I want to shout out to Ryan Gray. He was the one who actually wrote in. Actually, let me just read his comment to, to give proper context. A lot of people DM'd me or reached out to me. My brother was like, you fucking idiot, uh, and, and corrected me on this. But I think Ryan Gray put it best. And he wrote a nice, tasteful comment in the comments section of the podcast and said, Jesse, I've been listening for nearly two years. And I comment to bring Pentiment its due justice. Pentiment is a 12-person passion project from Obsidian Entertainment, led by Josh Sawyer, former director of Fallout New Vegas. Coming from a history degree, Sawyer dives into 16th century Bavaria, where you play as Andreas Maller, a journeyman artist working on a bygone scriptorium of Kiersau, how do you say that? Kiersau Abbey during a time of great social unrest. (laughs) While finishing his masterpiece, Andreas inadvertently becomes entangled in a series of murders that take place over 25 years. It's from Obsidian and it's made with pure love. Put some respect on it. Best game at the show. So Ryan, well, well put comment. Cover a lot of interesting aspects about the game and definitely uh, put me in my place a little bit with there. So I do appreciate the correction. Guys, if I say something stupid or make a mistake, I do appreciate corrections. I'm not not afraid to be told I'm a dumbass. So thank you, Ryan, for that. And uh, just uh, this is my apologies because, first of all, it's just incredibly unprofessional. I want to I make sure I'm showing a proper amount of respect and representation of these games. I don't want to be that asshole. It's just like, yeah, it's the Xbox podcast. We're gonna we're not really going to give a shit until it's ha- about Halo, and then everything else doesn't get to do justice. So thank you, Ryan. Thank you for the correction. For all you who commented and reached out to me, it was like, you are stupid, and I hope you suffer from Alzheimer's if you are so lucky to make it to an old age. Thank you for all you guys for drawing that uh, to my attention, bringing that to my attention. I still I still stand by what I said in that this game is definitely not for me. I'm definitely not interested in this. In fact, on Monday, Xbox had a um, extended showcase uh, where they, you know, they did like an extended look at some of the games that were shown off on Sunday at, during the proper event. Generally, I would watch these kinds of things, but they are so, so, so boring that this year I was like, you know what? I don't have to do this to myself. I don't have to watch this if I don't want to. So I didn't watch it, but I did read a lot of the follow-up coverage on it, and uh, this was one of the games they did show an extended look at. They had a development diary. They went all throughout it. And, and there are some things about this game I do find really interesting about how they talk about how the art style is such that certain backdrops uh, as you play throughout the game will age in time and things like history will write over itself so familiar places and, and pieces of art will become new again but you'll see traces of the past and i and you know it's a game about show showing from an older time in in history um stories of you know social unrest and people always having to fight for a a newer social perspective a more inclusive one and how it's kind of like this is a a story that is as old as time and it's you know one that is relatable although you know the, the, the subject matter might always be different but the the unrest and the inequality and the fight for a fairer and more socially mature world is always out there and it's just an old historic story that every generation has ever dealt with i think that's a very cool concept i like how they're trying to tie it in with this this art style still doesn't look like a game for me but i can still respect and appreciate so obsidian my apologies also now as an x bot i will now show a massive amount of respect for this game and i will blindly attack any playstation fan on twitter who has anything negative about this game to say despite my earlier comments from last episode so there's that. That's it for our corrections. Now we can wipe our brows, feel a little bit better about ourselves, and move on to the updates, of which for the first time in a while, we've got an Activision update. This happened just before I started recording. Activision wants to say, we don't harass our girls. Shut up. 
And so, uh, in a more eloquently put way, as relayed by VGC, a summary of an in internal investigation at Activision has found, quote, no evidence that the company ign ignored any signs of harassment. A November Wall Street Journal report alleged that Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick was aware of multiple sexual misconduct allegations at the company, some of which claimed he withheld from the company's board. Kotick has denied these allegations, and now, uh, with the company's internal in investigation, which did not directly address the Wall Street Journal's earlier accusation, states, Contrary to many of the allegations, the board and its external advisors have determined that there's no evidence to suggest Activision Blizzard senior executives ever intentionally ignored or attempted to downplay the instances of gender harassment that occurred and were reported. The statement continues that, Work also has not unearthed any evidence directly or indirectly suggesting that any attempt by the senior executive employee uh, or, or employee to conceal information from the board. While it does reference some substantial instances of gender harassment, it does not conclude that this was a widespread issue. All right, and as always with Activision, I'm just going to put the update out there. We're not going to comment on it. We're going to move on with our lives because God help me. All right, that's our first update. Our second update is actually on one of the games from the show. I was actually, uh, of the Xbox Bethesda Showcase, that I was most hyped about when it was revealed, which is which is Team Ninja's new game, Wo Long Fallen Dynasty. And the update we've gotten since the announcement of the game is, well, yes, it is coming to Xbox day and day with Game Pass, PC, all that shit. Very Xbox-centric with the marketing and with the announcement. But the game is actually going to be multi-platform. It is not console exclusive. It will come to PlayStation platforms, including PS4 and PS5. Uh, Koei Tecmo did uh, did did want to verify or clarify that. So it doesn't actually say if it's going to be a day and date multi-platform release. But I do think I do think that's the case. I think the bigger thing is that their marketing deal is with Xbox and that the game is going to launch into Game Pass. I think that was more of the purpose of its announcement being such. But yeah, this is a multi-platform game. Just to be clear. So this means more people get to play it. This is a good thing. Just want to clarify. Not an OG Xbox original game that's exclusive for the greatest brand in gaming history. And if you don't love it, you're a, you're a, you're a PlayStation. Uh, Halo offended people. Okay, we got to talk about this. It's another one of those things where it's like, ah, great. Like some social unrest finding its way into video games in the most just bizarre way possible. So we're just going to talk about this. Put it out there. Uh, VGC reports that, well, I, I'm I'm commenting, 343 made a silly, silly, silly mistake, and now VGC is relaying that following the release of an offensively named Halo Infinite Juneteenth cosmetic, 343 have publicly apologized for releasing uh, the cosmetic to mark Juneteenth, which is coming up this Monday, annual commemoration of the, sh of the end of slavery in the U.S., the studio released an emblem for Halo Infinite, which included a palette option called Bonobo, which is a name of an endangered ape. I didn't know that until this story came out. Until now, I thought Bonobo was this, um, like, cheek, high-end, like, men's fashion catalog. That's the only reference I'd ever heard that, that term be used in. Uh, anyway, after users pointed out the error online, 343 updated the name to, quote, Freedom instead of Bonobo, saying, quote, we, are, we were made aware of a palette option for our Juneteenth emblem that was that contained a term that was offensive and hurtful. 343 founder and head Bonnie Ross said following the incident, the team immediately addressed the issue via an update. Quote, we are a studio and franchise that's committed to inclusivity where everyone is welcome and supporters, sorry, and supported to be their true self. On behalf of 343, I apologize for making a celebrated moment a hurtful moment. We strive to create diverse and inclusive gaming communities. Uh, senior 
community manager. I can never get his last name right at 343. Uh, John Jinsek, you guys know him. If you're a Halo guy, you know him, uh, said in a separate message. While we, while the original name refers to an internal tool set, it is not intended to be applied to the content, uh, to this, in, sorry, to this content, and we recognize the harm it may have caused. So, uh, yeah, but I don't, dude, I don't know what to make of this. So I, I read a couple of stories on this because I'm just like, what? And uh, my understanding is that apparently Bonobo is is an internal tool, as John mentions, is uh, is the name of an internal tool set that was actually created and developed by Bungie back during like the original Halo trilogy. I don't know what what they use it for, but some development tool set. And I guess there's like you know it's a tool set that 343 still uses to this day with their Halo games. And so I don't know. Obviously, like I don't work at fucking 343. I don't know. I don't know what happened to where they're like, yeah, this is a name that we as a developer are familiar with and we use in some context. And now we're inspired to use that naming convention to apply to this emblem that people can download in celebration of Juneteenth. I feel like there's a whole lot of like, wait, what? How? How? Why? In all, you know, obviously, if you ever played Halo, and actually, I'd say the same thing for Destiny. There is a lot of that stuff where it's just like things like a- assets or or cosmetics or guns or just ships are just named after like weird abstract ideas. I think this is a very bungee thing that ended up being becoming a part of 343's uh, fabric as well, where it's just like, I don't know, like fucking the Ford unto dawn or just like you think about like the name of like, like your, your little flying ship thing in, in destiny is called Sparrow. It's just like, everything's just named after some like weird creature or high concept. There's some fucking military thing. And it's like, it's cool, but it's like, I don't, I don't know where they come up with these names half the time, you know? So I, I feel like this is kind of in the spirit of like Bungie in, in 343 in that regard. But at the same time, it's like, dude, if you're if you're celebrating Juneteenth, a holiday that until like three years ago, 90 percent of America didn't actually know about. But now everyone is suddenly an aficionado on, which is it's a good thing to draw attention and awareness to it. But I just think it's funny that like every fucking white person you meet now is like a a cultural buff on this holiday. But anyway, it's like you think about a day like Juneteenth Day where it's like you're celebrating like freedom for black America and like the end of slavery. It's like, why? Why? Why would you use a term that you know is a reference to some form of an ape when you just know about like really stupid historical like stereotypes and harmful, mean and just cruel fucking offensive stereotypes that have that have existed for so long? Like why? Why? Well, that like that's just it just seems like one of those things where like unless three four three aren't aware <laughs> that bonobo is a reference to or or a name that represents some endangered species of ape or whatever. Like, why, why, why would they have, I don't know. It's just, it seems like quite an egregious oversight, but at the same time, I, I, I believe it was an oversight. Listen, like it's dude, come on. Three, four, three. They're based out of fucking Washington state. They're Xbox. They're a tech company. These tech companies are like, like incredibly like socially sensitive and inclusive to the max. At least they position themselves that way. I, I don't claim to have to know from an insider perspective, because obviously I don't work there, but I, I believe, you know, obviously this was, this was a mistake, but God damn, that's a bad, even though it's a mistake, it's like, God damn, that's a bad mistake. That looks, that looks rough. Obviously it's like one of those things where I'm sure there are a lot of people on the internet who made it a way bigger deal than it needed to be. And I'm also sure that, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, we, we could have just pointed this out. Obviously they were more than, more than happy to and immediately like ready to write this wrong and, and apologize for it. But I don't know, man. It's like people, is this, is this really like the kind of story we're going to like harp on anymore? I just feel like this is the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, that's, that, that's really stupid of you to do three, four, three. And they're like, ah, fuck. 
let me fix that real quick. And then it's like, okay, let's, let's move on with our lives. But at the same time, uh, well, you say that with the understanding and the assumption that this is obviously a mistake, but also at the same time, it is, I can't blame people for scratching their heads and being like, really that, that name, like <laughs> with that context, you decide to use that name for this, for this instance. Okay. I, I don't know. You would think bonobo is like what you would name like a brute weapon or piece of armor considering brutes are basically like ape creatures, but I, I guess, I guess they chose to save it for the Juneteenth uh, cosmetic. So you see what you get for trying to be inclusive and, and, uh, and representative 343. All right, let's move on. Embracer group. We got the, hey, this is the other controversial thing, although this, this really should have no controversy around it because the answer is fuck you, Embracer group. But Embracer group CEO, uh, we got an update on our story from last week about, about the Saudi public investment fund purchasing a $1 billion stake in, in Embracer Group. Unfortunately, it's not a great update. The CEO, I'll just read from VGC as I always do because I'm a, I'm a hack and all I do is steal from them. CEO of Embracer Group has vowed that the company's principles will not change following the sizable investment by Saudi Arabia. Last week, the country's public investment fund, uh, PIF, through its subsidiary Savvy Gaming Group, purchased a $1 billion stake in Embracer Group, acquiring 8.1% of the company's shares. The PIF video game investment tends uh, to lead to lead a lot of concern among players because of Saudi Arabia's long-standing history in human rights abuse. However, in a statement posted on the Embracer website, CEO Lars Wingford's attempt to assuade concern by stating the investment wouldn't have a negative impact on the company's work. Can you imagine that? He says, let me just read the quote and we'll be done with it. He says, quote, I understand and respect that there were different views on this topic. I don't claim to have the right answers, but I want to be clear that this decision was not taken lightly. Of course not. You got money, you asshole. I want to be clear that Embracer will continue to be operated by me, our operative CEOs and management teams across the entire group. Embracer is built on the principles of freedom, inclusion, humanity, and openness. You sure that the uh, Bonobo skin wasn't from Embracer Group? Uh, the, transa- the transaction with SGC or uh, sorry SGG will not change this in any way. Embracer is still controlled by the people working in our group. Together, we control a significant majority of the votes in the company. SGG will will own slightly more than five percent of the votes and eight percent of, of the capital that they have invested in Embracer because their support they because they support our current vision, strategy, and leadership not to change it. I have so little to say to this other than CEO's full of shit. I'm, I'm sorry. I Again, I, Embracer Group, this makes me sad. I like Embracer Group. They were one of the big conglomerates like consulting the industry where I'm like, huh, if we got to continue to consolidate the industry, I kind of like seeing things go to them over, you know, like fucking, I don't know, like Amazon or some shit like that. So I, mm, I, I wanted to like Embracer Group the most out of all these big conglomerates, but here they go fucking saying the worst thing they could say, basically being like, listen, we took a billion dollars from fucking dirty Saudi fund, uh, a dirty Saudi investment fund from one of the most evil men alive on the planet right now. That's not going to change us. We're not going to let that influence us. We're gladly going to take his money, but we're not going to let that have any impact on our business at all. You see, we're very inclusive. We love gay people. Uh, We love for the ability for people to express their religious and individualistic freedoms, but 
we also really like money. So it's like Disney with the fucking like Disney trying to sell pride merch and Black Lives Matter merch and being like, oh, yeah, we're pro social movement. And then in China, they're just like, uh, yeah, make Finn on the Star Wars poster really small because uh, a lot of Chinese people don't like black people. So, uh, yeah, let's do that. We'll make money off the Americans by selling gay merch. We'll make money off the Chinese by hiding the black people. Everyone wins. Right. It's another one of those things. Where it's like, fuck you, you scummy fucking suit. You're a piece of shit. If you really wanted to, uh, if you really cared, you fucking quote that says you're built on the principles of freedom, inclusion, humanity, and openness, then what you would say is, fuck you, Saudi Prince. We don't want your dirty fucking blood money. You can go fuck yourself. We're here to make games that tell stories that are built and represented by free, inclusive, and open people who want to share their stories and share their creativity with the world, inspire and engage and excite people and our audiences. Look at me. I'm so good at PR. And I'm fucking better at it than you guys are. And I'm a dumb fucking Luddite over here talking out my ass. And you just be like, we don't need your dirty fucking money. You can shove it up your fucking ass until you learn how to treat people with decency, respect, and humanity. You can fuck off and take your money and shove it up your asshole. And everyone will be like, wow. Embrace your group's fucking awesome. I'm going to go buy seven copies of Saints Row, of Borderlands, of Destroy All Humans, of all the fucking games they make, because that's a badass CEO. You want to know how to be cooler than Phil Spencer in the games industry? Say that. But no, of course, they're just like, we like money. Fuck you. All right, so there's that update. Guys, let's finish up these stories of mild amusement. We have one. Those were all the updates and the corrections. This is the story of mild amusement. VGC relays that the Forza Horizon series only happened because a Project Gotham Racing reboot pitch was rejected, it's been claimed. In a new interview with GQ, which I recommend you read, despite the fact I didn't read it, so I'm a fucking hypocrite, uh, Playground Games studio head Trevor Williams recalled pitching the Project Gotham Racing reboot to Dan Greenwaltz, Forza's general manager, and Alan Hartman, Forza's corporate VP. Williams recalled that Greenwalt and Hartman weren't interested in reviving the series, but the meeting was salvaged by a last-minute change of plans. Quote, it was one of those stories where the stake turns into ash, stake turns to ash in your mouth, and I'm thinking, how do we afford the flights home? I've never heard this, 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 this phrase ever before. Anyway, after five minutes, Alan was like, what would you like to do with Forza? Would you, where would you like to take Forza? And we pitched what literally became Forza Horizon almost on a napkin on the spot. As a result of that meeting, the Forza franchise would essentially split into two separate series, Motorsport and Horizon. The project Gotham Racing series, developed by Bizarre Creations, was one of the most popular franchises on the original Xbox back in the day. The series ended in September of 07 when, this se when it was announced following its acquisition by Activision, all comes full circle, that Bizarre Creations would no longer be producing Project Gotham Racing games for Xbox. The team went on to develop Blur, a spiritual successor to the franchise, which was fucking awesome. And then Microsoft, you know, still owns the Project Gotham Racing IP, but is yet to return it, likely due to the popularity of the Forza series. The Forza Horizon game, games were first uh, first started on 2000, in 2012, with the first Forza Horizon being released on the Xbox 360. Hot damn, I can't speak. The fifth game in the series was just released last year to overwhelmingly positive reviews, sales, and guess what? It's fucking awesome, and we're getting Hot Wheels in it again. I'm even wearing another Hot Wheels shirt today. Not to celebrate it, just because I have an overwhelming number of Hot Wheels t-shirts in my closet. But that's our, uh, hey, that, that's our story of mild amusement. Look at that. A little insight to how um, Forza Horizon came to be. I love that because I love Forza Horizon, but dude, there's a part of me that kind of wishes the Project Gotham Racing name were alive and well somehow. I don't know how you do it because obviously it's like Horizon and Motorsport serve both the arcade genre and the sim racing genre so well. 
But I, I wonder if there's a way you could bring back Project Gotham Racing. Maybe make it because I, I don't know. Because if you got if you bring it back, you got to do it right. But then it would be a little redundant with the Forza series. But like I, I don't know. Like what if you could bring it back and make it a little bit more like Need for Speed, or make it a little bit like Blur, uh, like Blur was because Blur. Blur had a little bit of kart racer inspiration to it. Like, dude, if you could bring it back and make, like, do Forza Motorsport, but make it a lot of arcadiness like Forza Horizon, but make it, you know, not open world and explorative like Forza Horizon, and make it a little bit like a kart racer too, but with more arcade like Forza Horizon handling. I don't know. Like, it, it, I, I just, it, it's it's not necessary, but it's purely nostalgic driven that I'd like to see that, that, that brand return again, you know? I'm a fan of brands. That's why I follow Wendy's on Twitter. Come on. All right, guys, that's it for our mild amusement stories. We're going to jump into the news news. We're not even going to talk about the what I've been eating and the what I've been playing this week because I told you. This is like a – it's episode 159, but it's kind of like a like a bonus episode. So maybe I should have just called it a bonus episode or 158 part two. I don't know. But we're keeping it brief because, honestly, you know, I've given you three podcasts in like roughly a week's time. You're, you're poor. You guys probably don't have the bandwidth to deal with that much of me, so I, I gotta I gotta make these at least more digestible by not inflating the the, the runtime of these podcasts, which I'm in doing. I'm I'm doing right now in trying to explain how I'm trying not to let that happen. So, fucking dumbass, get to the news. I want to before we there's, so there's only like two news stories, two big news stories before I get into the small news, but I, I would like to quickly just kind of. Re- not recap, but like reflect on both Summer Game Fest and the Xbox Bethesda Showcase. Now that we've had, you know, half a week or so to j- digest and kind of think about the event, what are some things we really liked? What are our thoughts now that we've calmed down from the highs and the lows and just kind of settled with the news? Man, I was, I thought about this on and off today while I was at work and everything, just trying to think like, what are some interesting, you know, thoughts I could have about the showcase? I gotta be honest, and I really don't mean this as a slight to Xbox. I just found this year to be so incredibly underwhelming from both of these events in terms of in terms of what we what we got. But I mean that in like the least offensive and disheartening way. Like I'm okay with this. I expected this year to be very light in terms of like whoa, mind blowing announcements, so much cool shit. So the fact that it is a lot of like smaller games, a lot more bite sized games, a lot of updates on games we already knew about remasters, re-releases, things like that. I'm actually really cool with all this because I've been trying to play Far Cry 6 for like four months now, you know? It's like if they announced that if Starfield were coming out this year, I'd be fucked. So I don't know. I, I don't, I mean this with like, I, I'm. it's not like last year where I was kind of hoping for a big year and I was a little disappointed because nothing other than Halo really stood out in Forza Horizon. But like, I don't know, this year, kind of cool with it being a little low-key. Also, Another interesting thought is just when you think about the situation right now with console sales with the new consoles, where how like no one can get their hands on the PlayStation, no one can get their hands on a Series X. Basically, your only option is a Series S right now if you want to buy new hardware. It is kind of nice in a way to have a year that's this chill because it does. It's like the supply of these of these new machines can't catch up with the demand. But if we have a year like this, that's like kind of a bit of a year off. It does kind of help clear the air for a lot of people and be like, okay, well now you got, you know, you're missing out on a little less, a little more time to kind of get things together and help numbers to settle and for people to find, find their consoles and all that. So it does, it does kind of, I don't know, even things out a bit. I have a feeling that all the economic shit we're about to endure, plus all the production issues we've been facing for a while are going to possibly give this generation a Xbox 360 kind of effect where you might see this generation last a little longer 
than it may have intentionally or previously been intended to last. So, you know, seven or eight years instead of like six years is what I mean by that. And we already know we're, we're getting revised versions of the consoles in the next two years or so if, if reports are to be believed. So, and that's more of an effort to try and make these, these machines easier to manufacture and cheaper to produce. And so you can combat all these uh, manufacturing challenges that we're facing right now. But I don't know. I, I, and I, I just, I guess I'm just trying to say, I don't mean to sound down when I'm like, oh, it was kind of a bum year, but I'm, I'm cool with it, you know? So yeah, that the Xbox extended showcase happened, so we did get some additional looks at some games. There's really not much here. We'll talk about some of these things later in the show, so I don't want to get into it too much, although I do want to mention some little things. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is coming to Xbox Game Pass on day one. I don't think that was in the showcase proper or really touched on a whole lot. We already went over Pentiment. It got kind of behind the scenes look. Master Chief is coming to Fall Guys on June 30th. So if, you are, if you're into that, there's that. So there are a couple little updates. But I got to say, from Summer Game Fest, or, or, or rather from the Xbox Showcase, I'm really, I really walked away from this event mostly just being like, Redfall looks really, really good. I'm really excited for it. Starfield, I'm still just as middle of the road on it as I was before. I will definitely play it when it comes out, but it's not like, it's not like putting my hype level up or anything like that. And then a lot of it, a lot of the stuff I liked was just a lot of little one-off nice things like Naraka, that uh, 60 player Chinese developed uh, battle royale game. I think that game looks pretty cool. I'm definitely excited to give that one a go. Um, like the Hot Wheels DLC, like I'm really excited about that. High on Life, um, that game looks interesting and a pleasant surprise. But I just don't have anything like really substantial to add to the conversation. So I, I don't want to dwell on it. Um, and then as for the Summer Game Fest, it's kind of a similar story where I'm just like, ah, not really much to say other than Warhammer Darktide. I'm very much excited for that game to come out. It is coming very, very soon. Cannot wait. That and the other game I'm mostly excited for, this is probably my number one game, Witchfire, which is being developed by a bunch of ex-People Can Fly guys as well as the people who made The Vanishing of Ethan Carter, which is a crazy mashup of humans. But this game looks so fucking cool. It's like Doom meets Bulletstorm meets like a weird fantasy Dark Souls something or other setting. And I just want to play this game so fucking bad. I'm really bummed actually the more I thought about it over time that it's releasing as an early access title. Because I want to play this game on Xbox, fully released, fully polished, ready to go. So even though the game is supposed to launch pretty soon in the next like couple months or so... I don't think I'm going to play it because I don't want to play it on Epic Game Store as an early access title. I'd rather just wait another year or two until they have a proper full release out and available for purchase on Xbox. So I'm going to wait on this game and it's going to it's going to hurt me because this game looks so fucking cool. But that is by far the game from the whole weekend that I was most just enamored with after seeing. Um, that's not to say there aren't other things that look really cool like Routine. That game being re-revealed, that game looks pretty fucking cool. Definitely interested in giving that one a go. Um, but yeah, man, that's just like, there's really there's really not much for me to say otherwise. So I did, I thought, what better way um, to kind of continue the conversation than to let the audience speak because you guys did write in a little bit on the event. And um, I think it shows kind of in your, in y'all's take, feedback as well that's like, People weren't, there just, there wasn't any like big wow moment. I know a lot of people have like something individually that they're really into and that's cool, but like there isn't any like thing that everyone's like rallying behind and getting super hyped on. Um, it seems like if anything, that game is Diablo, which a couple of you guys wrote about, but our first comment is from Trippy Hippie who says, 
People need to realize that Xbox isn't going to show gameplay for games that are over a year out still. Personally, I like it when they announce games that are three or more years out, even if it's just a CGI trailer. It gives me something to look forward to. I don't need to see gameplay until it's ready. I think Xbox should make the main showcase like 80% gameplay for games coming in the next year, 20% CGI announcements for games that are a couple years away. Then take all the DLC and live service announcements and put them in, an extent, in the extended showcase. We don't need to see your updates on Sea of Thieves, Fallout 76, ESO, Grounded every year. And so I'm excited for Starfield, and I like that the idea of there being a thousand planets because those planets are just going to become a playground for modders, and I can't wait to see what people come up with. Well, Trippy Hippie, I really admire your optimism about the whole ordeal and yeah you know even though i kind of disagree because i i personally don't want to see a game announced until it's like at least a year or two out i can you know obviously agree to disagree and you're, you're free to feel how you want like if you get hyped over those cgi trailers for games that are multiple years out like good for you man that's all more power to you but i i do i agree completely i wish there was a way we could take these expansion and dlc and season update kind of announcements that get shoved into these big showcases and put them in something else now i get why we why we see them it's you know see if these fall eso fallout 76 these are games with really large install bases and they want to touch base and not this isn't really much so so much to market to their core audience it's to say, you know, this is a moment where we have a large audience captured. A lot of people are watching this event right now. Let's use this as an opportunity to be like, hey, guys, you might not be a Sea of Thieves or Fallout 76 fan, but these games still exist. We're still supporting them. They're getting new content all the time. You're kind of a fucking loser, and you're missing out if you don't jump in on these. So it's kind of an opportunity to be like, we have a big audience. Let's remind them of these more persistent games as a service type ordeals that we do also have. It's really, really boring because obviously it's not going to resonate with a large percentage of the audience. It's not really sizzling and sexy and new, but it, it, it makes a lot of business sense. So I get why they do it. But yes, it definitely takes a lot of wind out of the sails for sure. But I also I also really love your point here about Starfield. I, 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 I mentioned a lot of concern over the whole, oh yeah, the game's going to have a thousand planets to explore because you know it's going to be No Man's Sky and it's just going to be like, wow, procedurally generated bullshit planets with nothing to see nothing to do this is all lame why why are we doing this just create like eight really thoroughly detailed planets and we'll have a way better game but i actually love this optimistic spin on that because you're totally right man and, and i always think from like an xbox centric standpoint but you know bethesda games are obviously so famous for pc mod support and all that shit and actually mods are available on xbox as well for these games now too so why not on xbox but the mod community is huge, and you are no doubt correct that modders are going to have a field day. I cannot wait now that you mention it to be playing Starfield one day and to fly my ship to the Thomas the Tank Engine planet where just you fucking land there and giant old Thomas the Tank Engine is just bulldozing over the fucking moon craters. And I'm like, why the hell is this in outer space? And it's because someone with a lot of skill, a lot of knowledge, and even more time on his hands has developed this whole fucking mod because... Uh, that's what happens when the girl you like says no to going to prom, I guess. But I, I, I really do appreciate this uh, this optimistic spin on it, and you're absolutely right. It, it, it is it's funny because the the mod support, on, especially on games like Skyrim, has become such a massive part of the community and of that game. You know, in a sense that it does make you wonder: is Bethesda developing their games going forward with that in mind? That like, hey, we should absolutely design things with the understanding that our community is going to take this and run wild with it, and and look for ways to make that a little more obvious and fun for for modders and, and you know small time developers to work with. So that's a really interesting point. Um, Sam Torres, his take on the shows: he goes, I watched the show, and as I watched the show, I kept saying to my son, who digs all things 
all the Sony State of Play events, Nintendo Directs, and Xbox Game Showcase things. I said, I'd like to play this game for at least an hour. They promoted a lot of games I'd never seen before, and while I waited just one spark of brilliance to ignite the, se- uh, the sameness of previous casings, where is the mind-blowing experience we always expect? This was a show I didn't get too much out of, but there were games, shit to explore, conquer, make the universe safe, etc. Still a fan, just wish my socks were easier to knock off. All right, Sam, I, I read that a little poorly, but yeah, I think that's a really well put comment, really, really great point. It sounds like you're a lot more in line with me and kind of how I feel where it's like, hey, this is a good showcase. You had a lot of good games. It's it's fine. And and I think that I think you you said it best when it's like it was a lot of games where you saw the reveal and it, and your reaction was, huh, I'd play this for an hour. And I think that's that dude. That's that's money right there. That's exactly how I felt watching it. It was a lot of games where I'm like, either I don't care about this game or it's like that's mildly interesting. I'll download that because of Game Pass. I'll give it a go. I probably won't see it through the end, and it probably won't be a big a big deal to me. And I think that entirely sums up beautifully what the majority of this this showcase felt like to me. But uh, yeah, it would it would have just been nice to have your your socks knocked off a little bit more. Here's about running in action. Here's that Fable game we've only been talking about, and you've been hearing leaks about since you know before the dawn of the dinosaurs. You know. Just something, something like that would have been like, ah, that's cool. But yeah, I, yeah, whatever. Again, we, I will gladly speak for everyone listening to this podcast when I say I know we all have massive backlogs, and with Game Pass, that only becomes a bigger issue, um, issue in air quotes. Um, so it's there, there's never going to be a shortage of really awesome games to experience on Xbox. It's just a matter of, um, you know, the, this year it just happens to not be the sexiest year, but they can't all be that. And again, I, I gotta say, man, it's like you only need every year it only takes one or two games, right? That's that's the thing. Like it's nice to get hyped, it's nice to see big events, really attractive events like this where they can really blow your mind. But like all it really takes is like one or two big games a year for or during the fall season for I feel like for gamers to be like, oh cool, this is a good, you know, a good season. Like for me, I'm really looking forward to Sonic Frontiers and Modern Warfare 2. So like if nothing else, I'm just like, damn, that's cool. But I mean we also have high on life we also have warhammer we also have a bunch of other shit coming down the pipeline so there's gonna be tons and tons of stuff to play no doubt but aside from that it seems like really everyone was just hyped on on diablo like during the stream on monday night everyone was talking about diablo in the comments people were talking about diablo Cronky wrote in he was like i'm gonna be absolute sorry i am going to absolutely guarantee you that diablo 4 is going to be a heaping pile of dog poo Coming off the heels of Diablo Immortal, Blizzard's idea of a live service isn't to grow games with good content. It's it's to focus on how to monetize as much as possible and build a skeleton around it. Wade Lau also wrote in and says, I couldn't agree I couldn't agree anymore with Cronky on Diablo. One of the only games I actually have any nostalgia for is going to suck ass harder than a porn star, which just reinforces my suspicion that 95% of people at Blizzard are giant douchebags. Well, I wouldn't go ahead and say that about people at Blizzard. I yeah, I doubt that's I dude, you got you got to keep in mind. There are probably so many people at Blizzard. It's like a dream come true for them to be able to work at Blizzard and contribute to games like like Diablo and like Warcraft and like Overwatch. Ugh. Anyway, but, you know, for a lot of those people, like, this is a dream come true. And unfortunately, it's one of those things when you work for a massive entity like like Blizzard, like Activision, where, you know, you don't always have complete control over what it is you want to do. One of the things we all celebrate and cherish and maybe take for granted a lot with Xbox is the fact that Xbox can be very hands-off. This is where that hands-off approach Xbox is famous for is really beneficial because it's like, hey, what do you want to make? 
go make that game. Like, look, dude, look at the correction at the top of the show. I'm over here saying how, like, oh, Peniment looks like this stupid little indie game. It looks dumb. I don't like the art style. And then I'm like, whoa, I didn't even realize this is an Xbox first-party game because Xbox didn't mind going to Obsidian and being like, oh, cool, you want to make that? That's like a side project you want to employ time and money to work on? Yeah, do that. If that's what if that's important to you guys and you think you can do something really cool there, cool, we'll throw that in, you know? And I think that's awesome that Xbox does that, but that's not the case for everyone, especially the big ones like Activision who are money-driven. They see the trends. You know, they own King, so they own Candy Crush. They know what makes money. It's Warzone. It's Candy Crush. It's Fortnite. It is not, you know, here's Diablo. It's just a game with a finite amount of content. Play it for a couple weeks or a month, then move on to the next game. That's not how you make money in games anymore. Now, you make money by being like, here's the long tail. We got expansions, we got cosmetics, we got it, we got ads, we got aids. We got everything you want. What do you what do you want? We got in our game, it sucks. I don't know that I agree with you guys. I think Diablo um, 4 is going to be full of shitty scummy monetization. I think it's going to be a lot more tasteful than what we got with Diablo Immortal, but I could understand why and I think you are justified in feeling despondent and doubtful of that because of Diablo Immortal, like, you know, that's a whether one's a mobile game and one's a console game is is kind of irrelevant because at the end of the day, that was a use of that brand that they were comfortable with putting out there. And I'm sure a lot of developers weren't. I'm sure a lot of developers wanted things to be differently, but you know, the people who have the ultimate power and say were comfortable with sacrificing the Diablo brand and in in you know the 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 integrity of that of that IP by being like, here's a cheap money grabbing uh, mobile game, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's not, it's obviously not a great look, but if you want to, if you want to take care of this franchise, you're going to, you're going to do right by it. And with all the negative feedback and with the understanding that the console market and the mobile market are very different, you got to cater to them very differently. I don't know. I feel like Diablo four is going to be okay. So don't worry about that too much guys. I don't know. I guess I have nothing to say. Anyway, so that's it for the showcase. I, I really do wish there was more to dig into. Maybe you guys have some comments to leave this week and we can revisit this next week. But other than that, let's just continue on with the news and we will revisit some of these stories in, in the form of updates that we've had throughout the week. But I just, you know, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie about this. This is something I used to be very, like, shy about. I'm a very, like, my favorite genres, I, I'm pretty tiny brain when it comes to games. I like, I like instant gratification. I like action. I like that immediate satisfaction. My favorite genres, I love first-person shooters. I love 3D platformers. I love third-person action games that are narrative-driven. So, like, to me, it's like, you know, when when we're seeing games like, like Witchfire or, or that new Warhammer game or, you know, fucking, like, an update on on Halo or whatever. I, I'm I'm pumped because like that's my stuff, you know. But th this year it's like, hey, I despite everything, it's like you know I'm there is a little bit of everything, whether it's as sexy as previous years or not. It's like Sonic Frontiers, cool, that's for me. You know, Modern Warfare Two, cool, that's for me. And I'm sure you guys have similar things where it's like you can find that game or two. Maybe it wasn't even at this event, but they exist. They're out there. The Callisto Protocol looks awesome. I'm sure a lot of horror fans are really excited about that. That is also kind of a third-person action game. And then, honestly, Sony had a really good state of play recently. So it's like, I don't know, between all the events, all the companies, all the platforms, there's enough happening that this year is going to have surely enough for, for everyone. But let's move on with our few news stories we have this week. Our first one from VGC is that uh, Todd Howard has reiterated that Fallout 5 is still coming, but is behind Starfield and Elder Scrolls 6 in the production queue. 
Now, speaking as part of a broader interview with IGN, the game director provided an update on the studio's plans once its sci-fi RPG releases in 23. He says, quote, Yes, uh, Elder Scrolls 6 is in pre-production, and you know we're going to be able to do Fallout 5 after that. So our slate's pretty full. We're going forward for a while. He said we have some other projects that we look uh, we look at from time to time as well. Howard previously claimed that work on Starfield began in 2015, meaning that it's been in development for over seven years, or at least by the time it's released, that will be the case. Presuming development doesn't take any any longer than 23. Fallout fans could well have to wait another decade for the next installment. Um, considering the last Fallout came out in 2015, you know, that's, you know, it's, Quite a quite a long gap when you put it into context like that. Um, Howard acknowledged the lengthy production schedules for the games in the IGN interview and stated, They do take a while to make. I wish they came out faster. I really do. We're trying as hard as we can, but we want them to be the best that they can be for everybody. The director previously told the same site in t- 2021 that he wouldn't hesitate or that he would be hesitant to outsource Fallout 5, which we talked about at the time that story went live. He said, I don't see, look, Fallout's are really part of our DNA here. Seemingly playing down a chance of another studio to take the reins before not ruling it out completely. We're working with other people from time to time. I can't say what's going to happen. You know, we have one a one-pager on Fallout 5, what we want to do. All right, let's, because I think for a lot of people, they're, you know, with Xbox acquiring like Exile and Obsidian and, and Bethesda, and, and they have id, they have machine games, they have all these teams. There are so many like franchises they can look at. And they're like, oh, can they, oh, can, you know, they acquire, they're acquiring Activision. Activision has Raven. Can Raven make another Wolfenstein game? Can uh, Obsidian make another Fallout game? And there's all these kinds of, you know, things. You know, can In Exile make a like an OG RTS Fallout game? Like, and everyone likes to read the tea leaves and, and try to like, connect the dots and be like, oh, they own this town, this town, and Brian Fargo's back with these guys. And like, what what can we make here? And I understand that's like really cool and fun as fans to speculate and and, and definitely just like I, I fantasize about. And there, no doubt, I think eventually we'll probably see between all the talent, all the teams they own, that we might start to see something happen at some point like that. I, I think that would be the exception, not the rule. And it's cool. I don't know. Like I really, I really admire this about Bethesda, even though I'm generally not the biggest fan of their games. I really do respect and admire this idea of like, listen, man, Fallout is Bethesda Game Studios. And if we're not making the next Fallout, if we're not making the next Elder Scrolls, we're not making the next Starfield, in our opinion, it's really not a proper entry in that franchise. It's not properly doing that franchise justice because that is our baby, that is our property. Although with Fallout, it is rather funny, of course, because they did not create the Fallout IP. They acquired it. And also what is arguably viewed as the best Fallout game of all time is the one that they didn't make that was with but that was using their formula which was Obsidian's Fallout New Vegas in 2009. So it it is a weird was it 09 or 2010? I think it was 09. But anyway, it is a uh, of course it's always kind of a weird like a, a a little bit of a disappointing situation, right? Because for a lot of these people it's like, well, I don't like Elder Scrolls, but I do like Fallout or like I don't like uh Fallout, but I do like Elder Scrolls. And for a lot of these people it's like, well, you just got to wait a fuckload of, uh, of a long time because it's just one team and they spend a million years on this game, then a million years on that game. You know, it was easier back in the 360 days when they could go from Morrowind to Oblivion to Fallout 3 to Skyrim to Fallout 5, 4 rather. Back when games, you know, could generally be made in like a three-year span. Games are getting bigger, bigger, more complex systems, fidelity. All these things are getting more and more intricate. And I understand that there are also development tools and engines being created to help aid with the with 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 these processes. But Dude, dense, complete open world games are not easy to make. And this is the trade-off to an industry that is full of nothing but open world games. It's going to take some fucking time. 
And so, I don't know. To me, it's like, I'd almost kind of rather it be this way where it's like, you got to wait a decade for the next entry in this series. Because when you get it, you know it was special. You know it was a lot of labor of love that went into it. And you know it was like an opportunity to get to revisit this property rather than, all right, guys, time to make the next blank or, you know, whatever. So I've always admired that, but I, I definitely understand the frustration. It sucks, but I don't know. To me, it's it's kind of cool, even though it is a little funny that they're like, oh, you know, Fallout's our baby. We want to be able to shepherd it. And everyone's probably reading that going, well, I like New Vegas more. <laughs> uh, next up, during the this is the thing from I, um, the Xbox extended showcase. The thing most resonated with people got the most chatter for sure was the update we got on Stalker 2. Now, you guys remember that game was supposed to come out this December, but then was delayed until next year indefinitely or whatever, kind of just a random 2023 timeframe because of the war going on between Russia and Ukraine. But yeah, they the studio released a video update showing, you know, kind of like what what their their town uh, looked like before the war and after and like how like just a half a mile down the road, their buildings are completely torn apart and shit. Really sad as a, as a loving black cat owner. Uh, father, there's one developer that that showed that like he he couldn't evacuate. He was trapped in his home with with just him and his little black cat. And the little baby looks so cute. Just shows a little cat looking out the window. And then he talks about how like they, his cat had to be put in a carrying case and they were separated for a while. And a week later, when he finally found his cat, his cat had passed away. And dude, like that, it's sad. Like you see people like who haven't found their parents and and these people who are having to like enlist and and volunteer and support the war efforts while they're relocating and trying to develop a video game that is a violent game about like war and murder and just death and guns and violence it's it's got to be insane dude and obviously this is a a video that easily easily connects with people on an emotional level and resonates and in in garners a lot of sympathy sympathy and a lot of a lot of empathy, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know, man. It's like, they, they show the game like this, and a, a little bit, the part of the back of your head, it's like, Jesse, don't say that. It's just like, wow, what a great way to, you know, garner pre-orders and sales for your game, because it's like, fuck, this will, this will definitely get people to care about your project and to get people talking about your game. But at the same time, it's like, dude, this is, this is real, this is real shit. And I, I just, uh, it's actually kind of heartwarming, because it's one of those times where it's like, everyone's kind of come together and, and, and agreed on this this one thing, which is like, guys, Stalker T looks like a good game. We'll play it when it comes out. Please, for the love of God, focus on yourselves, your families, staying safe, what you need to do. The game can wait. It's not that. It's not nearly as important. But at the same time, you get you get the idea or you get the um, maybe the feeling that as an outsider looking in that, you know, maybe for the maybe for the devs at GSC Game World, like getting to work on Stalker 2 despite the precarious situation they're in, you know, it might be their their form of escapism. It might be the thing that helps distract them enough and give them enough purpose to like push through this really dark time period for them in their in their country. You know, just some, something something to work for and something to focus on other than just the the bleakness ar- around um, them and their neighbors. So I don't know, man. It's it's sad shit. It definitely um, it definitely makes you feel kind of like selfish to be like, oh man, we're just here talking about how that Xbox showcase was just a little bit lackluster. Meanwhile, they're like, oh yeah, and check out this game coming from our developer. It was just trying to not die in a war happening outside their office right now. And it's like, fuck man, that's uh, some crazy shit, man. It's crazy to think that war happens in today's world uh, the way you know the way like you just see it in movies and in video games and hear about it in history books it's like in some parts of the world that's that's still a thing that happens it's fucking terrifying of course we're always wishing the best for them hoping you know 
they pull through and that things take a turn for the better. And of course, you know, Stalker 2, we'll play it when we play it. The game is not the important thing. The the safety of, of the team is. All right, guys, let's try to bring some levity to the situation by talking about a, a game that I'm obviously excited for that almost no one else listening gives a, sh- a flying fuck about, which is, of course, Sonic Forces. Now, VGC uh, relayed a an interview or had an interview with um, with uh, Sonic Team studio head uh, Takashi Izuki. This is following, you know, a trend on, on the Internet last week where people were like calling for Sonic Frontiers to be delayed because some of the gameplay shown looked a little rough around the edges. It looks like there's some texture pop in some frame rate stuttering and people were questioning some of the design choices of the game. Um, so following all that, this interview that that uh, happened with VGC and Takashi Izuki, uh, which I, of course, recommend you go read. I read through there's a whole lot more to get out of this, but during the interview, um, they, they asked him, like, what do you say about the mixed reception from fans on this game? The, the saying that the game needs to be delayed, looks a little rougher on the edges, or it's not the Sonic game they wanted, or it looks like Sonic Breath of the Wild. Like, what do you have to say to that? And his quote was, it's not really surprising to me that he argued that fans probably don't understand the brand of an open zone, which is what they call the game, open zone uh, type Sonic game. Unlike many previous games in the series, Sonic Frontiers deviates from the linear format in favor of something closer to an open world structure. Izuki explained that Frontiers appears to, while Frontiers appears to allow players to go wherever they want in a sprawling environment, that's not quite how the game works. It's this confusion that he believes led to the reaction from a lot of fans earlier in the month as more details of the game have been shared. He said, quote, if people come to Gamescom or TGS, which they can, and get their hands on it and experience the game for themselves, I think they'll understand what the game is. Because right now we're just we're just kind of watching videos of people reacting to what they believe the game is going to be. And then it goes on and on with a bunch of other details and stuff. But I, I just want to say this, like, listen, as a Sonic fan, as someone who's like, listen, I know how the cycle works. Sonic fans are, impo- they're like Halo fans in a way, but they're all a little sweaty or more weeby. And they're impossible to please. They're all just going to be like, oh, this game looks amazing. Now this game looks like trash. This is what Sonic should be. This is what Sonic was the best. Make Sonic Adventure 2. Make Sonic Adventure 2. Make Sonic Adventure 2. We want to see Chow Gardens. We want to see Shadow the Hedgehog bend over and see his ass cheeks spread. Whatever. We get it. Sonic fans are kind of annoying. The problem is it's like, even if he's right, and I'm inclined to believe he, he probably is right. You know, I, 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 I think this game looks fantastic and I'm really open-minded and excited about what they're trying to do because I get that they're trying to do something different. I'm excited to try something different with Sonic and, and to take their word for it and experience this more open zone approach where it's like big open areas that are sprawling but also focused and have things to do and aren't just a massive open world with nothing. I, I appreciate it and I'm open-minded to it. But the thing is, you guys... You know, Sonic Team, Sega, IGN, all the parties that work here, you guys have control over what people have seen of the game. So when you release a seven-minute gameplay video of just Sonic running around an open world, running up a tower, jumping down the tower, solving an easy puzzle, end footage, you leave the door open to that kind of criticism. If you feel like this is a game that is a truly different genre, that you've really kind of made a new subgenre of open world games to fit Sonic into an open world, then maybe you should have focused your gameplay takes on that, you know, explaining like, Hey guys, we know at first glance, this might look like an open world game, but we want to show you what makes Sonic Frontiers unique. You know, have, have a narrator talking over the gameplay, explaining it, showing various elements of the gameplay. You know, this game is supposedly coming out this year, even though we don't have a release date, you know, supposedly coming out. What assume you can assume like November. Well, damn man, just like, 
tell us more about it. Show us more about it. Show us what makes this different from an open world game. There are a lot of rumors that this game will have like more linear levels that you unlock after being certain bosses and things like that, that it play like more traditional Sonic speed levels. And it's like, cool, show that. Like, go over that. So, I don't know. Like, even though I'm generally on team, like, Sonic fans are gross, um, man, I feel like they're just kind of being a little arrogant by saying this because it's like, yeah, fans are just reacting to what they're seeing. But if you feel like there's more to say and more to show, then show that instead of just generic unnarrated gameplay that doesn't that just leaves us to have to fill in the gaps and assume what's going on now they did show later screenshots and gameplay video throughout the week that actually showed a further build that's much further along in development and even though i was skeptical that the game was as far along in development as, as they claimed I, I gotta admit i was proven wrong because the gameplay they showed looked a lot better a lot a lot better frame rate a lot fewer texture pop-ins and things like that um just looked like it was running and operating better animations were smoother and more finalized so the game's coming along for sure. I cannot wait to play this game. It is definitely my number one most anticipated game of 2022, without a doubt. But I, I don't like this whole, like, blaming your audience when it's like you're the one in control. You're, you're the ones who are responsible for, for marketing and, and explaining this game to your audience. So don't blame the audience when they have to interpret what they're given because what they're given isn't, you know, clear enough. So I, I don't know. I find that a little weird to treat your audience that way although sonic fans are gross so maybe you have a maybe you have a point to make fun of them all right guys that's really it for all of our news i'm telling you it's a, it's a bite size to small xbox on let's wrap up with the important enough stories these are stories important enough to make the podcast not important enough to warrant their own discussion and this is kind of where the the wealth of the news lies because again this week was just a lot of follow-ups and updates on things from last week with the big showcases that we got so our first one it comes from vgc it says that Blizzard have confirmed Overwatch 2's beta will start on June 28th, so really damn soon, in just a little bit here. Testers will get to play the new tank hero, Junker Queen, and experience a new map. The beta will be available on PC and consoles, and signups and more details are coming on June 16th. So the day I'm actually recording this, the day you hear it, you may have already signed up. So that's pretty cool. It's actually really cool because we thought, what, the beta, the whatever, the open beta or whatever, or the open alpha pre-release or, or something is supposed to happen in like October. So September or October. So this is actually pretty, uh, pretty big get that you get to play it even sooner. All right. VGC also reports that Valheim publisher Coffee Stain has revealed additional details about the game. On Sunday, Microsoft released a list of 50 games that said it will be coming to Game Pass over the next 12 months. Valheim was included in that list, but on Tuesday, publisher Coffee Stain confirmed that the game is also coming to the Microsoft Store and will be available on PC Game Pass this fall and autumn ahead of its Xbox One Series X and S Game Pass release in the spring of 2023. So if you want to play the game sooner, it's already out on PC, but it's going to come to PC Game Pass this fall, and then it'll come to PC, or it's a console and Game Pass on console in the spring of 23, as was originally announced. Also, VGC relays in following up on Red Redfall that... Um, Arcane Studios have confirmed how missions and mission structure and character progress will work in Redfall. Sorry, mostly in pertain in pertaining to uh, co-op and all of that. So the game is open world, open world first person shooter, which players will see battling or be battling to defeat legions of vampires, but they can play solo or an up to four player co-op. Speaking to IGN, Arcane Austin, the studio behind the game, uh, creative director Harvey Smith, revealed that the campaign progress is tied to the host when playing in co-op whereas character progress carries over for all players. He said, quote, whoever hosts the session initiates this session. Their story progress is persistent for them, but for all other players, it's actually not. Your character progress, like your weapons you find and levels you gain, 
all of that is persistent. So you're only getting story pro progress when you're playing as the host or solo, but you're still gaining character progression and weapon progression, all that, regardless of how you're playing. So there's a little update on how that works. I don't know, kind of interesting, I feel like, because we're just looking for news on that game. It's exciting. Next up, Call of Duty Vanguard and Warzone Season 4 will introduce a new Battle Royale and Zombies map, Activision has confirmed. Vanguard Season 4, titled Mercenaries of Fortune, arrives on June 22nd. That's way sooner than I thought. Headlining the Warzone update is a new map titled Fortune's Keep. Vanguard Season 4 will also introduce a new Zombies map in the form of an updated version of Call of Duty World at War's famous Shinonuma map. Taking place in the swamp of a Japanese jungle, Shinonuma originally featured in Call of Duty World at War before making it in the Black Ops games. Okay, that's all I need to know. Again, traditional zombies back now that they're in Vanguard. I'm pumped. I'm waiting for it. Come on, June 22nd. Let's play some fucking zombies. All right. Wrapping up with our last two. Resident Evil Village will be getting three major new features in the upcoming update called Winter's Expansion. The DLC will be available as part of the Resident Evil Village Gold Edition, which includes the base game and the expansion all in one pack. The expansion includes a third-person mode, allowing players to see the protagonist, Ethan, as they play in the third person instead of first person, kind of like more traditional Resident Evil titles. It will also include an update to Mercenaries mode called Additional Orders, which includes new playable characters, including Chris Redfield, Heisenberg, and Lady Dimitri, which is that big booby lady that everyone likes from Resident Evil Village. All right, and finally, VGC reports that Ubisoft has said it plans to reveal its next or what's next for the Assassin's Creed franchise later this year. While not officially announced, it's been claimed that Ubisoft is planning to release a smaller-scale, stealth-focused Assassin's Creed game this year or in 2023, which would be really cool as a nice little palate cleanser after two massive open-world um, Assassin's Creed titles. Kind of go back to its roots a little bit for, for a minute there. That'd be cool. Now, keep in mind that Ubisoft has already confirmed that they're going to have some kind of showcase event later on, probably in the fall or so. So this is, um, you know, that's going to be their time to shine. So that's what that is saved for. But guys, that is it for this episode. Again, a little shorter, trying to keep it brief, trying to keep it under an hour. It looks like we're going to go just a touch over an hour, but pretty short. We haven't had an Xbox on this short in probably two years. So guys, I just want to give you a little something, leave you with this weekend, a little something to listen to. Again, I just, I wish I had more to say, but I got to be honest with you guys. I got to be, I tell you how, what I'm feeling. So not really much that I feel after this event we saw. I'm, I'm looking forward to playing a lot of Xbox this weekend. I have a lot of games I'm looking forward to getting to, but it's just nothing we saw. It's got me like super clamoring for the next couple months or anything other than Warhammer is about to be out. So that for sure. But Guys, as we close out, as, as you know, it's Friday, weekend's starting, everyone's putting on too much cologne, going out to the club, getting ready for a night of fun. Let me leave you with this comment from Mr. Headhunting Halo, who wrote in and says, Jesse, we got another Mountain Dew flavor called Overdrive. It's only available at Casey's gas station, and it looks to be an orange flavor of some sort. Kind of looks boring. <laughs> Though also want to see Jurassic World, and oh my god, I've never been more mad in my life. How do you end a saga like Jurassic Park? Like, really, barely any dinosaurs, and damn Taser was making me laugh. How do you think focusing on locusts eating the wheat on farms is more entertaining than dinosaurs destroying the Earth? Some Planet of the Apes crap makes no sense, but that's my rant. T-T-Y-L, I love you. Headhunting Halo, thank you for writing in. We don't have Casey's Gas Station here in Florida, so I'll never get to have that flavor. And I saw Jurassic World, Domino's, or whatever it's called, and it was fine. It was one of those movies where like you walk out and you're immediately like, yeah, I forgot everything about that movie. I'm going to move on. Like Literally, if I, if I walk out of the movie theater and I look down the ground and I find a penny... That is going to stick in my fucking crystal memory a lot more than anything that happened in that movie. So 
It's like I watched the movie. It was fine. It was a fun blockbuster. I think families will enjoy the hell out of it. As someone who is a very like um, a very um, a very novice fan of Jurassic Park movies, I gotta say, my favorite, very unpopular take, but my favorite Jurassic Park movie is actually the one before this. It's actually that sequel to Jurassic World where they're like it's like fucking it's like fucking Resident Evil dinosaurs Dino Crisis the the movie. I thought that movie was awesome, but yeah, this movie was uh, not quite as good, but not bad. It was a fun time, whatever. Head hunting Halo. Go drink your new Mountain Dew. Go think about what's going on. Maybe maybe palate cleanse your your movie viewing experience and watch Lightyear coming to theaters this this actually the day this podcast goes live. I'm actually looking forward to watching it myself. Let me know what you think. But guys, until next week, leave some comments if you want on YouTube. We'll talk about them on the next week's show. Next week we will be back on Thursday. It'll be a proper normal show. Hang out with me on stream. We're live on Mondays. We did an impromptu stream yesterday. It was a lot of fun. Might maybe do something over the weekend. I don't fucking know. It depends what my schedule looks like. But as always, guys, take care. Be safe. Have a great weekend. Play lots of video games. Spend time with your loved ones. And until next week, power your streams.